This episode is brought to you by Osprey. Tired of your tattered old climbing pack? It's time you met the zealot from Osprey. Osprey was born at the foot of the Sierras and came of age in the ranges, deserts, and canyons around Cortez, Colorado. And ever since, they've been elevating adventure through innovative pack design along the way. When it comes to climbing, their Zealot series is purpose-built and athlete-tested with ballistic nylon to defy years of dirtbagging. Their Zealot 40 is a proper crag bag, made with the same attention to detail and carrying comfort that Osprey is known for. And their Zealot 30 is made for your days that take you from work to the gym, using dual compartments to keep your everyday carrying and climbing gear separate. The Zealot is available online at osprey.com or at your local retailer. Hey everyone, Tommy Caldwell here. You know, everyone, at least in the climbing world these days, is trying to figure out ways to live more intentionally, to live a less impactful life. And one of the best things we as climbers can do to make that happen is to support and buy things from the companies that are doing the same thing, the companies that are figuring out ways to lower their carbon footprint, lower their chemical usage, make their products out of recycled materials, make products that just don't wear out. And, you know, the only company that's doing that well in the ropes and hardware space is Edelrid. They've been innovating the best products for over 100 years. They invented the sit harness. These days they make unquestionably the most high quality ropes, the lightest weight carabiners, and really they're just awesome all around. So check them out at www.climbgreen.com. Welcome to the Dirtbag State of Mind podcast from the Climbing Zine. I am Luke Mihal, and we're back. This season and episode are both a long time coming for multiple reasons, and you're definitely going to notice a Mexico theme here in the first few episodes. As many listeners know, I spent a good portion of my winter down in Hidalgo in uh, El Petro Chico, Mexico, and really had a great time there, had some adventures that... I'm going to document in a storytelling episode later in the season, but for now we're going to start off with a couple interviews, and the first one is with Becky Zunigar. And Becky is the producer of the film Sueños de Altura, and it's a film about the history of Mexican climbing, and it's just a simply a beautiful film, and I really enjoyed it, and they played it at the facelift, um, they did a first year of a facelift down in Mexico. And Potrero and it was awesome to get everyone together and they showed this film and then I was lucky enough to interview Becky you know for me as a, an American climber and privileged white male I think that you don't really realize you know how much we have as Americans and how much privilege a lot of us have until you know you leave and you see how the rest of the world lives and really with the Mexico climbers it's amazing how much they did with so little and how connected to American climbers they are. This film just has some crazy stories in it, like them climbing with these guys that had one carabiner for the entire climb, and they would place pitons, tie into each piton, and retie and use their one carabiner. But there's a whole bunch of stories in this episode like that, um, and I'll let the episode kind of speak for itself and really appreciate Becky um, sitting down, and then later we're going to have Mark Grunin as well on the show. Main message I have for you guys today is please support the Climbing Zine, the Dirtback State of Mind podcast. We're doing our Keep the Zine Alive campaign. We're trying to add 2,000 new subscribers this year, and we're kind of falling short at the moment where I think we're just past 200, so we really need to create some momentum on this, and I think we'll do that this summer. So please check the link in your show notes to subscribe to the Zine or become a Patreon and support us there. This episode of the Dirtbag State of Mind podcast is sponsored by Kilter. Looking for a fun way to train at home or at the gym? Check out the Kilter board. The Kilter board has innovative light-up holds, a progressive app with animated functions, climbs for all abilities, and two layouts to choose from with large international online communities for each. There are over 66,000 problems in the original Kilter board layout, and the newer home board layout comes with over 6,300 problems. You can set, tick climbs, make shareable playlists, watch send videos for motivation and beta, and even add your own videos to share with other users. The new map feature helps you find and connect to Kilter boards nearest you. Kilter has multiple wall sizes and package options available, 
so we can help you get a kilter board in almost any space. Check out kilter at settercloset.com and look for more information in our show notes. This episode is also sponsored by Scarpa. Scarpa's approach to climbing shoe design mirrors their approach to the pursuit of climbing itself. They strive to evolve and incorporate new ideas and techniques every step of the way. They refine their strengths, train their weaknesses, and build on each success. Scarpa has been bolstering its climbing shoe foundations by continuing to create versatile, high-quality designs that satisfy the needs of climbers across a range of disciplines and skill levels. For more information, visit scarpa.com and look for a link in our show notes. Without further ado, let's get into the episode, a conversation with Becky Zunagar from Potrero Chico, Mexico. I am here in Hidalgo, Mexico, El Potrero Chico, with Becky Zuniga. Did yes. I get your name right? Yes. Yeah. And um, we just met really recently, and um, you are, um, what's your title with, with your film, uh, Sueños de Altura? The producer. The producer, the producer. Mm-hmm. And um, this was a film that I had heard about um, for a long time. And if you, if you see me looking at this too much, it's just because I'm curious. You know about like the levels and stuff, so okay, okay. It, don't don't be offended if I'm looking away. Um, but I had first heard about your film from um, Mark Grundon, um, who is a, a good friend of mine, and we were just joking that he had a, a podcast episode recorded that I messed up yeah. <laughs> the audio. But Mark's coming back in two weeks, so he's going to be my second uh, Mexico interview. Um, I guess this is our first international podcast. Wow, <laughs> I'm so honored. <laughs> yeah, I know it's it's a pleasure to have you here, but. Yeah, so I had heard about your film years before um, I had met you. I just met you um, during the facelift, and um, I was wanting to show a film that I had made here, um, a film that I had made called Dancing with the Queen in Indian Creek, and um, I had just found out that your film was going to be showing the night before, and then the way that all the logistics had to go, like we had to put it on the computer, so I got like a a sneak peek and everything. but yeah, I, uh, I I was really impressed with your film. I just, I loved it. Um, I love so much about it. And I love that I didn't know anything um, about the history of Mexico climbing. And then I felt like now I have just a little understanding, a little glimpse. Um, but what, uh, I want to kind of start with, with the, uh, the beginning of the film, because it was a, an ancient ceremony, right? Where there is like some, some climbing involved to the top of a mountain and, it, the ceremony started in pre-Hispanic times, or um, what was that kind of like? Yes. First of all, thank you very much <laughs> for this invitation. Uh, I'm so happy to be here talking with you. And it's so cool that you heard already about the film. Um, we also interviewed Mac Grandon because he has been um, living and vaulting and, and climbing here in Mexico, so he was also a... a a character to know in, in our project. So I'm so happy that we get related um, on, on this, by these uh, friends in common. And, um, and yes, um, the, the documentary starts with a pre-Hispanic uh, traditional um, ceremony because um, we uh, find, found out that um, there were some like there's nothing written like there's not like historical greeting um, um, uh, information but we when we were asking about when the Peña Bernal was climbed and we we found out that local people were climbing it already before the uh, Spanish came to Mexico and 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 conquer and do all these things um, so. So we decided it was a very important to put, like uh, because the like the mountains were like the center of of, of a lot of um, uh, beliefs and religions in in a lot of cultures all over the world. No, like the the mountain was the like the monument, the temple. So so it was so cool to put like this religious act on on the film and uh, and to. To make it seem like the like the pre-Hispanic people were climbing it, no. So yeah. it, it was like a romantic moment about the film on 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 this issue. Yeah, the, the same thing exists in the United States, but 
I don't I don't know if the traditions um, are like have been passed on that are still alive like that particular tradition. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that, like where that mountain is located and? Yes. Yeah. Uh, it's Peña de Bernal. It is mm -hmm. located in the center of Mexico. Like, um, and we're yeah, sorry to interrupt you, but we're recording this on a Sunday in Mexico, so there's some loud cars always driving by. So hopefully that won't be too loud. But yeah, welcome <laughs> yeah. to Mexico. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yes, it's a place and uh, near from Querétaro in the center of Mexico, and um, it's like a monolith, a library almost 300 meters monolith, and um, monolith or how you say it? Monolith. Yeah. Monolith. Yeah. yeah. When the Spanish came um, they wanted to erase the whole culture and they put their cross mm -hmm. in there so the people stay with this tradition about bringing this cross to the top like climbing it they do it like three times per year only the people that are designed selected uh, can go up carrying the cross or even doing the ceremony so it's so so nice to see this happening like uh, with this devotion, you know, and and the climbers had to also negotiate with the with the local people because for them it was not cool to have climbers there, no. So during the ceremonies that you cannot climb there, and there's been some arrangements so they don't have problem that people climb there. So. Um, so yeah, it's it's a very uh, unique thing having like a procession here in Potrero Chico. You don't see it not that, that much, but um, but I like uh, this. We we like to include this into the documentary because in Mexico there are so many um, traditions still alive at different uh, of the United States. No? So that's so cool to understand, and it's um, the anthropology of the mountain. I think our films playing together it was just so serendipitous that it was it was brought together it was such a special evening and um i love how um that the climber who put up and you're gonna have to remind me his name and the name of the route but he had put up the original route in el Potrero chico onto um, the top of el toro right uh, yeah. um what was the name of that guy juan guzman juan guzman and what was the name of the route? Do you remember? El Pagubi. El Pagubi, which was the the first syllable of each one of their names. Um, and for the listeners who have been to El Portero Chico, it's like to the right of El Sendero Luminoso. After he he talked about it, I was like, oh, I know those. You can see the chimneys up there. And it was kind of amazing. Um, and just going back to telling the stories that are untold, I think, you know, from word of mouth, I always thought that like jungle mountaineering was the first route in Potrero, but then did people have to research and find out that this climb had been done uh, to highlight it or this is this is an important climb in yeah. Mexico because it was like the first like um, uh, with a lot of pitches climber yeah. like the, the yeah, highest multi -pitch yeah multi-pitch yeah. So big wall, yeah. Yeah, you could say the first big wall yeah. uh, climbing uh, of this of this size. So um, yeah, for us also was the um, doing this research about who were the first, like the Americans of the Mexicans. No? Yeah, <laughs> like, and and you could hear both both side of the story, and um, and it was so cool. In, uh, because I'm Mexican, yeah. <laughs> to find out that there were Mexicans going there, no, and and it and it was and it is a very cool story because um, people in Mexico didn't have enough resources or money or time to to climb, no, but mm -hmm. they were doing a lot of sacrifice. So this group uh, from uh, Mexico City came here to to do it like, as a challenge. They were they were very interesting of breaking their limits with Juan Guzman from from Monterrey they did it and and there th you cannot see it in in the documentary this this um, this thing but they say that they were bringing these hammocks like um Acapulco style like uh, these beach hammocks like you know like the big hole hammocks uh -huh. and they were sleeping on those hammocks on the wall <laughs> on the yeah wall. they said it took 3 days or something yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. So, is there any photography from that, is there any photography? No, no. no that's huh. that's uh, yeah, that's a shame. We didn't have a lot of info, a lot oh. of um, register from that. Which kind. makes sense, you know, saying the resources. Something that struck me in the film was that they were like, yeah, we were only climbing on Sundays, <laughs> because a lot of the guys only had they worked 
five days a week or six days six a week. Days, yeah. They work six days a week. And I think that's an important distinction from American climbing because, you know, we use the term dirt bag and, and this and that, where I think in the United States, um, it was, it's a wealthy country where people like kind of chose to be poor and then they had the free time. But it seemed like the climbing history here was working class people and then they climbed on their one day off a week or something. Yeah, <laughs> that's a huge contrast uh, yeah. of Mexican and American development, uh, climbing development. And um, you could see like the passion. I was so I was so uh, surprised during the, the research of all the characters that uh, that are shown in the documentary because you can see that it was the passion that moved them all the time and uh no matter no matter if they didn't have nothing they they were they were doing it and challenging and and probably that was that make it slow also the process mm -hmm. uh, but uh but they were trying to 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 uh, evolve no so l the evolution was there um we had a lot of influence from americans and europeans obviously mm -hmm. but um but yes um it is it is nice to see that when you want something you do it no matter what you, yeah. you have or absolutely absolutely so where did the tradition of in in, in what what time period was that and where did that tradition kind of start of of the clubs yeah, uh, that starts like in the 40s, in the 50s. Okay. And I was so surprised that there were plenty of, like, it was like the golden era of climbing in Mexico hmm. and, the, and the 40s and the 50s. Wow. Plenty of, of clubs. Was that happening here too or it, was it just because the technology was, was ready or something? Yeah, it was starting, like Mexico was starting to be like, a, wants to be like a cultural country, no? Like, uh, like opening, we also been like um, just finishing the our revolution or, and, and so um, you could see like there was like um, influence from Spain, like Spanish people were coming to Mexico and the country wants to be more uh, into this cultural um, move. So I think it was that moment with, when like the, the sport or, or this activity to going into the mountains had like most relevance. And yes, there were many of, of, of clubs and, uh, and this happened in, the, in Mexico City and surrounding and Pachuca. Pachuca is a place uh, near from Mexico City and uh, that was the boom on those years uh, there. Like it, it, is, it is incredible, but, but um, the whole climbing scene was there. In Mexico City. In in Pachuca. Pachuca. More, in okay. Pachuca, even yeah. the the climbers from Pachuca were better than the climbers from Mexico City. Wow. So and it's a small town uh -huh. and it's a, a mining town. Oh wow. Uh, but and we were trying to see if something was related with that, mm -hmm. but not exactly. But yeah, yeah, probably had some influence because of the tools, because of the way of using uh, the steel or something. Yeah. Yeah, in in you said. You uh, you interviewed some of these characters, and, and, and some of them have actually passed away by now. Um, and I think you described uh, them talking about these climbs as like the great love of their lives. So what what did that mean to you? And what are some interesting um, stories? Like what did what did it mean to you to connect with those guys? Yeah, for me was a revolution for for myself because after the documentary i could find out by my um by my own um the same passion that i heard on 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 meeting these persons i i felt it by by myself no so um, it was so cool to see how they wanted to talk everything and explain everything and you know give the details and give you everything they had like these memories the material and uh, the information and the advices and and it was like oh my god they're they're very they're still in love with this mm -hmm. <laughs> like they it doesn't matter that they already don't, don't climb like since 20 years ago but they still right. in love and it was 
so cool like so cool i could i could feel i could feel this and uh that helps me to understand what i was talking about it, like it is not just a sport it is not just a thing it's like it's like a way of living it's like a like a way of of seeing life or or you know it's like like living your life through this no so so um, yeah for me it was a revolution it was a revolution and uh it changed my life also <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah and uh what was your relationship to climbing when you started the film because you're um you said you're 41 right yeah mm -hmm. I'm, I'm 44 um and you said you, you've only gotten to climbing recently the right same generation yeah we are the same generation <laughs> yeah yeah um what uh because and you only started climbing in the last few years or was it the film um, that got you into climbing um that i started like very passionate two years ago but huh. uh when i started the, the this film i was climbing like for a year i didn't before that i didn't know this is this exists really wow. and um and my ex-partner who is the director of the films joshua medina uh-huh he he showed me this world about climbing. He was a climber in Colombia. He's Colombian, and um, and I was like, okay, I like it, you know. But it w when you start, you don't get really like you're like, okay, what's this? I'm trying. You're doing it because someone is inviting you, and um, and he wants to do a, a feature-length film, and we found out that this was like a very good subject to to do because no one had reading a book doing a documentary so um okay we decide to do this but i didn't understand the climbing that much you know like uh, the styles the techniques the material the the things they were talking about like mm -hmm. it was it was i i could i could um discover that the climbing through the documentary mm -hmm. so little by little i started to getting more excited about it and i wanted to climb but i couldn't because i was doing the documentary you know like we were going to to always uh, film uh, interviews or people climbing so you were there you went to climb and you couldn't know so it was like holding this thing for years yeah. and when we finished I remember very clearly this. We did our back, like we put everything in a truck and, and we decide we were living in Mexico City mm -hmm. and we decide to, okay, we finish, this is it. We're moving to El Salto, no? Mm -hmm. El Salto was like the best place uh, we could find to live and climb. So um, uh, from there I start climbing more devoted and now I could say like I, it's been two years that, that that I'm living as a climber and doing it yeah yeah and you're, you're climbing really strong <laughs> too oh, <kind> of. <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. did you do other like sports and stuff before you started climbing or I thought it was a sport if girl before yeah. I thought I did some capoeira when I was little gymnastics and some ki kickboxing yoga yeah uh -huh. I was I thought I was doing dancing. I thought yeah. I was I was sport, but but when I start climbing, I realized no, I was yeah. not in shape. I didn't yeah. have a, I, I didn't have a strength. Yeah. It like it was not easy to me to understand the feeling about um, climbing, and I'm so surprised that I'm and I'm flowing with it because mm -hmm. now I like I'm breaking my own limits in mm -hmm. it, and um, and I'm surprised to see that you can do it no matter what age you have. And yeah. And I was I was inspired also by um, people of 60 years that they were mm -hmm. doing like their highest projects. And mm -hmm. I say, okay, I'm 30 something. I have 20 years to, <laughs> to try yeah. very hard. Let's see yeah. what happens. And I'm doing it and, yeah. and it's getting it's that getting better every, every time. Yeah. That's great because I do think it's rare um, to really get into climbing that late in life and then to be like so um to progress at it so so well so i think that's that's really cool <laughs> it's yeah. admirable and then you've also made like a lifestyle change right like you were kind of more in a career and living the city life is that correct yes yeah. i changed my life i'm not a i'm a city girl yeah i'm completely a city girl and i was sorry mm. i yeah. was <laughs> and uh so 
now I'm living in the mountains in the, yeah, at El Salto, and I'm I'm, I'm climbing all the time. And uh, and yes, uh, you never imagine you can do because all my friends have 25 and 35, like it's a range of, of all my friends. And yes, we I'm so motivated uh, to to feel their motivation also because they're younger and they have more energy. But uh, you get like it's a community so we we can um share all these all these kind of uh things and and i'm and i'm i'm just going through without any expectations just living it giving it all you know like uh okay it's not also about the strength i realize that you need a lot of things uh, to climb so so yeah I'm trying to to be very flexible on on this and an experimental <laughs> like to do a lot of tries about about what it is like what's what's to be climbing without um not being affected f uh, um on your age or on yeah. your i don't know whatever thing totally yeah and i I think it's uh as a 44 year old, I still feel like I'm in near my peak of climbing. You know, I, I think mentally I, I can't do like runouts and dangerous climbing as much. Okay. I think that's where my limits are um, in my mind. But physically, but I also feel like I have 23 to 25 years of experience to draw from um, where it's it's so cool that you got into it later and like your art, you're, you're climbing. I mean, we're probably climbing on very similar routes, even though I've been climbing <laughs> 20 years longer than you. So um, yeah. it's, it's super cool that you've been able to progress that you can. And if you live in El Salto, like you kind of it's have easy. to climb, like <laughs> yeah. you have to climb 11 plus 12 minus to enjoy El Salto, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah. And you know, like all the people that goes there are very strong. Yeah. So it's also easy because you follow their vibe, you know, mm -hmm. they're like, they go there and they want to, to do their best. So you say, okay, I, I'll catch up with them. So, so yes, it's, it's, it's a very good um challenge and a very good experience and it's so cool because in mexico you don't i i i don't have many reference about um a person doing this like a, a 41 years um old woman uh, starting late and doing it but um but i think it's cool to do it because I could see that inspires all, uh, another woman, you know. Yeah. Like I, I couldn't when I when we were climbing to when we are climbing together with all the girls, they get inspired because they say, "Oh, she's 41 and I'm 20 something." Or so that's so cool. Yeah. I I love it. That's awesome. Um, speaking of women, were there women climbing at all in in Mexico in like the 1940s, 1950s, 1960s? They were, yeah, but because um, there wasn't much in the film, right? Of, yeah, yeah, we didn't find like a like a woman that was doing something like for climbing. You know, like it mm -hmm. was always like being the second or like okay. going. Yeah, it was not that notorious, but they were. They were. Uh -huh. They were climbing. Um, and culturally, like, what was it? Was it like women were more expo expected to like be in the household or? Was there independence for women, for, for Mexican women in that era or? <laughs> no, <laughs> not that much, but yeah. you could see it was like normal. Uh -huh. Like yeah. it was being part of the club and going to the mountains. It was yeah. at that moment, it was normal. Oh, cool. So yeah. And they were, it was a funny, a funny thing that I, I, that I was surprised to find out that they were always doing like this dance halls or no dance balls or or they, they were doing um yeah what's the word like a ball i uh -huh. guess yeah a ball uh -huh. yeah so it was like a which in, in the united states we usually do that for like uh high like school high prom school, exactly. or college <laughs> fraternities or something i don't know I, yeah yeah um, exactly yeah. that yeah, that. And yeah, they were doing it like like the ceremonies for for each club. I love that. Yeah. So and they were and there was there was like the climber queen, <laughs> and, uh, and and they were dressed dressed up all very nice and there w it was in like in a nice place. Yeah, it's it it was like wow, that's it was a huge thing to be part of these clubs, no. So, so yeah, that's why women were also into it, and uh -huh. and it was 
a very nice community and they were trading flags and and yeah it was a whole thing like a whole yeah so explain that that they all had their own flags right Mm -hmm. each each climbing club and were the clubs based out of universities or is it just like if you wanted a club you started a club and yes. you, you invited your friends into the club or something like that? Yes, it yeah. was nothing to do with universities. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was like like private clubs. And then uh, there was a club in the film, we, just, we, we saw it. There was a club of three, three uh, people in the club. Uh-huh. <laughs> so it was like, okay, just three. So you can do a club if you wanted to. And you do your flag and then... You have to do the ceremonies, and it was so cool because they had to trade these these flags, and um, when they get to the peaks, and uh, yeah, it was it was like a good a good uh, environment. Obviously, there were fights also, but <laughs> and yeah. in the documentary you can see it. But uh, that happens all the time. What tell us about the fights? What was that? What was that like? Like uh, yeah, because there was always some persons that were not uh, very um they were not uh, agreeing with the other persons okay. and they could they could fight like yeah. mexicans in general we fight <laughs> so, <laughs> so I, I believe it. that never changes <laughs> americans too <laughs> yeah, yeah human beings <laughs> yeah human beings are, are fighters yeah. yeah and then there was that thing where they would leave i love that they would leave a note uh, when yes. they got to the top of a route, which is in the United States, we do like summit registers. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen those mm-hmm. where you climb a desert tower or something and there's like a um, it's like a can that holds like bullets or something and you leave your little notebook in there and then everyone just writes their name. But it seemed like here you would uh, find another team's another club's note and you would bring it back to them to prove that they had climbed it. Yes. That's very interesting. That's yeah. so cool. Yeah. yeah. And you could put whatever on that. Someone's in the film, they say, okay, a Coke or, yeah. uh, or many crazy things. So, yeah. Or there was like poopy underwear yeah. or something. <laughs> that was so crazy. I didn't want yeah. to mention it, but yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, they, um, they were doing crazy things about... So they had the to bring down the original. poopy underwear? <laughs> they, they say they did. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't imagine that, but uh. yes. Uh, they in the documentary they say they did so that yeah it's like a particularity about about this Latin American culture no like about about being very original. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so I mean, where did you like? I'm really wondering. Once you gathered all the information and you had the idea for the film, like where did you start with the actual research and interviews? Was it with some of the older guys or? Uh, um was i think it wouldn't have like a linear li- line it yeah. was okay if i if you I said you interviewed uh 200 th- people or something more than 100 yeah. more than 100 wow wow yeah it was um finding one person and that person it depends the 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 the, um, the decade now so and which kind of style and which kind of kind of trans- transition so we we interviewed one person and that person was giving us more names and uh we have from that person to to do like a map and then like that we could relate one decade with the other and uh, and it was so it was like a puzzle and and it was so un- incredible because the puzzle starts to have a shape you know like oh okay and this person related to this and to that and and suddenly it was all fi- full full or, or all, all made so um, so yeah it was very hard at the beginning because in my case i didn't understand nothing like i was like what and, I, and then and and uh, who and is he telling me the truth or is not? <laughs> I was I was like a detective uh-huh. and uh, like and a gossip girl, you uh-huh. know. I need to know need everything. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I need to ask if I if I will know you and yeah. I knew you were a climber from. I will ask you everything. I will know. I want to know everything about you, and so yeah, it was like um, uh, yeah, it's 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 a very it's a very nice 
job to do because I understood that I like like the anthropology, you know, like I I like to know where it comes from or the relation and the line. I I studied. I'm not a I'm not a cinematographer. Mm -hmm. I'm a I study international commerce, international business. Mm -hmm. So for me, it was discovering this the another another area that I I didn't know I I liked it. So. So yeah, it was it was hard, but at the end it was so cool to understand it. Like you cannot understand everything and and always will be something missing, but at the end it was like the whole scenario, no? so you could see it. One part that was really cool um and there was this connection to cuz there's obviously this this connection between Mexico and the United States with our climbing and I think Puerto Chico is probably the center of it. Um of Americans and, and Mexicans kind of um, cross-pollinating. Um, the story about Jim Bridwell was really interesting. Um, and I actually, well, I'll tell, I have a little story that Jim Bridwell once wrote me a note, but I'll, I'll tell that after um, you talk about this, where these Mexican climbers, and they, were, they wanted to climb um, El Cap, right? They wanted to climb El Capitan, and they went there, and they completely were off on the equipment, right? Like they knew equipment was available. And I'm guessing they were like going in like swami belts with pitons and old shoes. And, and Jim Bridwell, who was just known to be the uh, like the Dalai Lama, or like the high priest of Yosemite, because there's so many stories about Jim Bridwell. And we've talked about him. Jimmy Dunn told a story about him on the podcast as well. Jimmy Dunn is an old American climber. Um, shout out to Jimmy Dunn. Hopefully he's listening. Um, mm. But he, because he loved, he, I was telling him about your film and he was oh. so excited. Oh, he's good. a 74 year old climber who has connections with Jim Bridwell too. Um, so Jim Bridwell sat these guys down and be like, look, you need to buy this and this and this. And, and what was the relevance of that to, to Mexican climbers? It seemed like that was an important moment in a way, right? Because they were the first Mexicans trying to climb El Cap? Yeah, yeah. it was huge because um, after that, like they came back to Mexico and they say, hey guys, <laughs> we're not doing, we're, we have to change some things, yeah. <laughs> little things. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, it was like a revolution in that moment because um, because they need to break the par like the way they the things that we're doing and yeah traditional climb and uh, and everything happen it changes after that so it was like a huge moment yeah i think that's so cool that jim bridwell influenced yeah. these mexican climbers and my story is that i was staying in joshua tree in 2007 and i would see jim bridwell all around a lot and i i never really talked to him much i wish i would have now but one time I was staying with these Spaniards in my campsite and I was always taking care of my campsite and keep, keeping it clean and everything. And then these really dirty Spaniards were staying with me. Um, Pablo, I can't remember the other guy's name. And Jim Bridwell, the camp was so dirty, Jim Bridwell noticed and wrote us a note and signed it, The Bird. And I wish uh, I had the note. Uh, I don't have it. Um, but that was his nickname was The Bird. Mm -hmm. um, so it's... The Jim Bridwell connection is 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 a big you know he was such a influence an influencer mm -hmm. climber and it's just crazy that he influenced um, Mexican, Mexican climbers, climbers too yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah it's so cool it's so cool uh, to see that um, that we are all connected like the the climbing like probably Mexican climbing is like uh, Mexican climbing history is, is like the world climbing history in yeah. some ways now because we we progress the same way now we were taking the same things from each place depending who was there and who was telling so yeah I think um, um, we were lucky also to to have well in Mexico we have a set that too far from from God and too and very close to the United States mm. in some oh ways. Right. Yeah, 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 there's yeah. a saying uh, about that. And I think in climbing it happens the same because, mm -hmm. like we like Potrero Chico, it's it's a very uh, good reference for climbing in Mexico. And obviously it is, it is, it, it it's been done because uh, the Americans w came here and. Mm -hmm. And, and and put it no and put this this seed so and with gear too i've noticed um you know I, I brought a lot of bolts down and different things like that and 
it seemed like, you know, from the American Safe Climbing Association, who's replaced a lot of bolts here, but it seemed like the way to get the bolts here was not to ship them here, but more to, because shipping is difficult, is it's to fly here with the gear uh, because the gear isn't available here. So it's like, mm-hmm. it, it's really eye-opening because, you know, in the United States, mm-hmm. there's like an REI or a gear shop in every major town and gear is just so plentiful or you order it online and it comes mm-hmm. in two days. And But it's, it's, it's gear is less available here even in, in 2023. Yeah. Um, no, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's an amazing thing that... that people like the gear here that was put here it's it's from the states um, a lot of it yeah yeah and um yeah what else about Puchero chico did you learn um had you ever i guess you'd never been here before you started the film or (laughs) i didn't know it exists um well about Puchero chico uh, i want to tell this story about jeff jackson Uh because um he he was like the last time he was here was like 15 years ago and um, when we were doing the documentary Carla Moya uh, that lives here and is a very important person here in Potrero Chico she said she said to me "Eh, Rebecca Jeff Jackson is here he's doing a documentary about I don't remember what was it La La Popa? Uh, no or uh, something no, or no, it no. was another about Jeff Garcia, I think. It was oh. a documentary for Adidas Torex. I don't oh, know oh, Marcus Garcia. Marcus Garcia. He's my friend. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, he yeah. lives in Durango. Okay. Yeah, yeah, he, he's been on our podcast, too. Oh, yeah, Mar- Marcus that. Garcia. He's like our hometown hero. Who? Oh, yeah, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. they were doing a documentary about him, and Jeff Jackson was here. So I was nearby, and uh, we were nearby, so we came directly here, and, and we say, hey, Jeff, we're doing a documentary about Mexican history climbing. We, ha- we have to interview you, please. And, um, and um, it, was, uh, it was like he, he didn't have t- too much time available. He said, okay, I have 15 minutes or after this and uh, I'm leaving tomorrow and I say no 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 let's do it and it was so cool to because he lives in Hawaii I think yeah. it was gonna be impossible to go to Hawaii to interview him and it was so cool to talk to him uh, and al- also not just f- like to film it also for the information he was given uh, so so yeah it was like oh my god like when these things happened, I was we we felt like we were blessed on on this documentary because things were were happening, you know, and um, and I was uh, so excited also to go. T- we were to um, in Kurt Smith's house in in Red River Gorge, and also w- that was we were carrying um, a scanner like a photo scanner, uh-huh. <laughs> and we were. Like flying with this scanner, went into his for head. slides. Yeah, for yeah, his, yeah. Because yeah, the older climbers have slides. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I've had this happen before um, as well with the zine, and and older climbers have they they use slides like up until the nineties. Yeah. 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 So so it was um, for us. It was like very important to have this this gear, like uh, this uh, machine. And uh, we were carrying it everywhere, <laughs> and uh, and it was so funny going to R- New River Gorge to Kurt <laughs> Smith's house and have these uh, photos, and um, and and so it was so cool. Also, that Alex Catlin, uh, we already knew Alex Catlin, mm-hmm. and he's married with um, a Mexican woman, so. So yeah, it was so cool that um, that he was like the first person uh, being here. So we could we could found find the the f- very first person that come here. So uh, so it was cool. We couldn't include the whole per- like the whole character, the whole climbers were here, like Ed and others. But um, but we decided to focus on the beginning on how Potter Chico start. So, so yeah, um, but uh, we also find information that another local club was um, climbing the spires like in the 60s. So those old pitons that are up there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I noticed those. I clipped those in December. Yeah, I was like, oh my god. Yeah, I <laughs> yeah. think there there are some of the first ones, and and it was like a local club. And they call them nails, right? Yeah. Instead of pitons, they call them nails. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 
it's difficult to find like the very first 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 like you never know but you never know yeah. you never yeah, know yeah. but uh, we found out that that th th those were like the first so so yeah. it's cool and it depends what lunch if it's a big wall if it's mm -hmm. just a line if it's like walking like you can do some walks also mm -hmm. so it depends what also well, I think history is a story, you know, mm -hmm. like story is in history mm -hmm. and you're providing a foundation for the, your whole culture of Mexico. Like, I think that's why this I'm so excited about your film and why it's so important is that now there is something and hopefully this will come to more to the United States and mm -hmm. we'll show in more and more places. Maybe we can show in Durango or something. Um, but yeah, you're, you're providing a foundation for the history of climbing culture in Mexico, which and if you said a lot of these guys even aren't still around since you started the film, um, I think you, you made this very important contribution to the culture. And uh, I think that's really, really awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool to have something that stays forever there. I want to I want to circle back to something I thought was interesting um, is the the old school climbers are always like, oh, the, these new where they were making fun of them. He's like. And now they have uh, they have harnesses and shoes and carabiners and jumars and if you want that one guy was like if you're up there and you want a beer send me up a beer. <laughs> um, I, I I just thought that was so fascinating that you know the climbers that from 40s 50s 60s were like you know basically making fun of sport climbing and um, that one guy Juan Guzman was that his name or he was talking about how they turned Potrero into an amusement park. Um, yeah. What was what was that era like to learn about as because I think, you know, it, it's crazy. A lot of people don't know that Potrero was once a, a bold, almost trad climbing area. And now it's it's become it's not safe. I mean, Potrero obviously is a dangerous place, <laughs> mm. um, just as Yosemite is or Red Rocks or any of these other um, destinations. What was it like to learn about the transition of almost adventure climbing to to sport climbing, which I, I feel the rock is suited best for sport climbing and everything I've seen around Mexico. Yeah. Um, I'm, sh I'm sure there's track climbing areas, but, um, Very few. yeah. Um, was, was that in the eighties and nineties, basically like same, same kind of time period? Yeah. 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 It was more like the nineties. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Start uh, at the end of the eighties and the nineties. And yes, it was like a transition of, uh, like uh of mindset no because before like uh climbing it was like uh being a man you know like <laughs> uh, you need to be very brave and you, and you need to to do it very wild in fact they were doing competitions i remember in the 70s they were doing competitions competitions about who put the the less equipment okay i did the route and i put just two trot pieces and uh, or i put three or i just put one in the whole route now so so yeah it, it started changing and i think the united states was kind of like that too where mm -hmm. it was um it was really appreciating you know yosemite climbing was the, the the cornerstone of i think of american climbing and it was like you appreciated the route that didn't have any bolts or yeah, yeah or it was all trad yes, yeah this is better <laughs> in that era yeah yeah and then yeah. It, it changed in the united states and mexico it seems like in in yeah. the 80s and 90s yeah yeah in fact that there's a there's a character in the movie that um he's he he was 96 when we interviewed him wow. and he was telling oh like um now now they place protections every yeah. every every meter yeah. so like uh, I think the climbing it's finished because they place yeah. they place gear every uh -huh. every meter so yeah. so yeah it, it was completely different and you know what it, it was so inspiring inspiring to see um to see that that you have to be also brave no matter, like, I know that you don't have to risk your life or something, but you have to dominate sometimes your mind, no? Like, uh, like to involve your mind also. And I think climbing also, it's about that. It's because if it's all, er everything it's like, so easy or it doesn't, ha you need to have braveness also. It's, it's, it's also a nice quality about climbing. So, um, yeah, but 
don't get killed don't, don't get don't kill yourself no so it's like a balance between these two but um but yes i i loved i l we were very focused on on the old people yeah. because yeah. we thought that was the important thing to 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 um, to make survive not like to rescue and um and some so many people were telling us oh we didn't want to see more about the about this era no but and they say sueños de altura part two and <laughs> like that but we decide to be on that era because that's the people who died already yeah. so we need to rescue those testimonies yeah i think that was that seemed like the right decision um mm -hmm. yeah do you have plans to do another follow-up or I, I was like thinking it would be cool if you wanted to like write something for the climbing zine about Mexican history too, you know, like oh <laughs> try to encapsulate everything you learned and, and maybe put it into an article or something. So some um, people were talking yeah. about the book yeah. that, that, that sh because there are, we have a lot of material that it's not shown yeah. in the documentary. Um, but you know what? I decide to be a climber now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so smart. Yeah, I, it was like okay. I understood the I understood the message. Uh, you need to be a climber. You need full time commitment. Right. So um, that's why I I didn't went that far. Like like to continue. You know on on this on this path. And you've like dedicated your life to climbing, right? Like mm. you went from living in Mexico City to. You have an El S a house in El Salto. Mm -hmm. El Salto, for people that are listening that haven't been there, is, is quite a remote mountain town. Like It's not like a Colorado mountain town where you have internet and shit <laughs> and sushi. And, like, it's a remote place. So tell, tell, me, uh, tell us about that, like your, your decision to really dedicate yourself, your life to climbing. Um, what, how, what was the inspiration for that? Yeah. Uh, when when we were filming the documentary, we were going a lot to, to El Salto to film climbs and to know to know more about the history of the of that place also. And um, I was impressed about the place. Like uh, I really loved like the roots and the crags and the like the landscape, like a mountain place, no. And it's near from a it's like uh, near from a big city. Like it's a good place, a good spot, and it's safe. You know, in Mexico there are places that are, that are not safe safe enough, and here was very safe. So it was like a perfect place. And a lot of people from America or, or Canada come uh, every winter there, and I was looking them in their bands. You know, doing this hippie life. I al always like to travel, and I always like to be. Um, in in some in many places and um and i had this dream like remotely now i i would love to travel and in a band like that and and then i met the, the travelers i met the van life and i was like okay i want that no so um, i i thought it was a good idea to have a base camp and and that it was going to be at the perfect base camp and um and yes i changed my life going there and uh, my job allows me allows me to work everywhere, and so um, so it's perfect because I live. I went to well now this year I'm gonna do that. Live half of half of the year in El Salto, and half of the year traveling. I already built my van, not by my own, but I, I have my van. So so yeah, I, I was inspired about the people that I met that is already living this life, like in Mexico. Uh, we still very few people uh, like uh, having the van life and this this kind of style, but it's growing. It starts to grow, mm -hmm. and and I was surprised. Like this last winter, we went to Peñoles, that it's a very nice place that is shown in the documentary about the best, one of the best bouldering places in Mexico and I think in the world, and. Um, and it was so cool because uh, we were a lot of Mexicans and a lot of us, we had our bands. And <laughs> so we're changing, like it's a thing that is coming uh, that you can see it more often. So so I'm so happy that we are very, we're inspiring uh, in the community to, to follow this dream also, no? And, uh, and you know, like a lot of climbing gyms are growing here in Mexico. So a lot of climbers devoted to, climb, to climbing also can have a work in Mexico. Like normally you cannot 
earn money from climbing and now the the climbing gyms are paying for 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 work so it's so cool so the the sport is growing and and it's so and it's so cool to see like the movie is the first image we have about climbing is 1923 so now it's 100 years mm -hmm. this year will be 100 years and you can see how how is evolution and you can live the climbing um, more like you can live m your life more uh, into it no? yeah so. and i think that's so cool i think that's that's the latest phase because i'm here too working for the zine and in the podcast remotely and i think that's like the new phase of life like when i first started coming here 20 years ago it was like you had to go to the library to use the internet and your your phone didn't work so it was almost impossible to to have this balance this this work-life balance and it's cool that it's like it's coming here um one thing that i really noticed that i i think that you captured really well i think that just the spirit of climbing um, sometimes gets lost in how cool climbing is now and how many people are doing it. And like, I think that you, you captured the spirit of climbing really well in the film and like how everyone, and I feel like Potrero kind of represents that spirit of climbing too. Cause it's like, it's, it's some, it's, it's kind of misleading, misleadingly straightforward, but then it becomes this big adventure and, you know, like in, in Potrero is kind of like the centerpiece of it. Um, and I, I guess I'm kind of rambling at this point, but I think that's just a compliment I wanted to pay to you that you really captured the essence of climbing through the people of the, the Mexican climbers and, and, the, and the other people that have been here. So um, okay. I think that was something you did really well. Yeah. Yes, we want to capture the spirit. That was a goal. And, you know, like the motion, we want to make people, people feel the emotion about climbing about nostalgia 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 yeah nostalgia uh -huh. yeah. yeah about uh, you know about how you feel on or uh, like laughing you can laugh also so yeah it's it's cool when when people comes after the film and they say mm -hmm. well and on the presentation uh, one guy come to me uh, came to me and said it's the best film of climbing I've ever seen. It's a wow. masterpiece. And I was like, what? Yeah. what? Thank you. I've, it feels so great. Like you can, t probably you, you will not touch the whole audi audience, but even if you touch one person, mm -hmm. that's very cool. Another, another time one, per one kid told me, oh, I lost my inspiration about climbing, but after looking, watching this film, I got it again. So, wow. Yeah, so, so uh, that's the thing. That's, I think that's the good thing about films that, mm -hmm that uh, you can have magic and, and you can give magic to people. So um, uh, I hope Sueños de Altura do that uh, to the audience. And, um, and also it's like having a portrait of a community. It's a community of hundreds of years, a Mexican community or probably global community of climbers. So it's like a portrait. So um, that's so cool to to um, to to have it there like forever like for the eternity no? yeah totally um one last thing i i need to ask about because i forgot um there was a, a publication called alpismo uh, albinismo albinismo yeah. um tell me about that publication obviously the climbing zine is um very rooted in in print media and um, we've talked about trying to do some translations into Spanish in the future, but yeah, tell me about this, this publication, um, Alpinismo. I'm so glad that you asked me this because yeah. it is important thing on the, on the research and in the, on the documentary. This, this magazine, uh, was very famous and at the moment, and it was made by a, um, a climber, but, uh, this climber was very neutral, neutral. He he represented one club, but he was always interviewing members for of all the clubs. So he he wanted to be um, to have a um, more reference, and so um, it was like a monthly monthly um, magazine. Uh, he In had what time period? It was like uh, 40, 42. 
to it was just two years but it was wow. like for the, from in the, the 1940s uh-huh. wow. i don't remember did you get one did you get one or i got them in my yeah. hands like uh-huh. the daughter of this guy sh- it was like her treasure yeah and she, she lent it to us and so we had this this collection for some months to uh-huh. do the research we were reading and all it's it's a a jewel really it's a very important thing and um and very nice documents and you know like drawings there's there's one uh there's some drawings like original drawings like like the cartoons making fun of 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 climbers i love that yeah yeah and we we decide to represent more animations like simulating this drawing. You did some cool animations yeah. in that film. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And it was so cool because it's like risk, uh, like doing it the same way they will, they were doing it at the sa- at that time, no? So, yeah. So this magazine was incredible, and um, and it, and it helped us a lot to to build a line, like to understand which clubs, who were the good climbers, which ascents, and the style you know it was for me it was so cool to watch like the announce like um like the publicity or or yeah sponsors right. so yeah. so like how was like the what they were living no what they were selling like what kind of clothes or what kind of a food or and it was like oh my god look at this so you can understand a lot of the culture like the normal culture by by all this information no? so yeah it's a nice piece okay i lied one one more part um while some of our neighbors are showing up over here um i wanted to ask you about the la mera podcast la mera beta yeah we're doing a podcast interview <laughs> Hello, some of our neighbors are showing up. Um, La Mera podcast, I want to ask you about that because you structured your film with these character, these these hosts of this podcast, and I thought that was really cool. Um, yeah, tell me, I want to give a shout out to uh, La Mera. La Mera Beta. La Mera Beta. What does beta. that mean? It's like uh, the beta. The good That's beta. The beta. The La good Mera. beta. Yeah, uh-huh. the good beta. Yeah. La Mera beta. Um, yeah. Tell us about this podcast and, and the the folks. And shout out to them if you're listening, because um, they're one of the the main Mexican climbing podcasts, right? Yes. Yeah. It was like um, one of the first climbing podcasts, and um, they are super cool friends, like very good vibes, uh, passionate about climbing. Are they from Monterrey um, or? Uh, no, from Guadalajara. 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 Okay. There's one from Chihuahua, and um, and yes, like we met at Peñoles in this bouldering place I was talking about, and we were talking about our documentary, and they were talking about their podcast. No, so it was like two groups building a dream. No, so uh, we we were in a similar ways trying to do something new and. Uh, and then, uh, little by little, we realized that we didn't want uh, the normal narrator to, to, to say, oh, okay, this happens. So we say, okay. We had an, we had an inspiration on a Colombian film, I don't remember the name, about um, a, a, a reporter narrating the, the film. So we said, oh, wow, it could be so cool to have La Mera Beta narrate, doing it, no? So, it was amazing because like uh, the session, like the, um, the filming session starts like at two in the morning, one in the morning, and it finished like at six in the morning. Wow. And so you could see the transition, <laughs> like like even the night was, evo- it was not just the climbing evolu- evolution, it was also the night and coming coming morning. And it's, it was so magical. It was so magical, their interven- intervention. And um, be- we're very good friends, so it was perfect. And uh, yeah, it's a nice touch. Well, shout out to them. Um, when is uh, Sueños de Altura coming uh, to the United States? Like how, I mean, you know, most of our listeners are in the United States, not all. Um, but w- where can people see the film and, and what is your, I know you're talking about distribution and stuff like that. Um, cause yes. I know, and I know a lot of people like Mark Rennan, I still don't think has seen the film. <laughs> 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 Some Mark. characters from the film yeah. haven't seen <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, now we're, we are on this. We had like some t- 
tour in Mexico and then the documentary went into an, a lot of festivals and was selected in a lot of festivals and now we are on that moment where we are looking for a um, distributor like a distribution and uh, yeah so if you're listening to this yeah. we, and we I know we have a lot of we got a lot of listeners so um, they can hit us up and um, check you out we'll, we'll put all your instagram links and everything in the, in the bio but yeah if you're a distributor yes. and you want to distribute this wonderful film um hit becky up yeah please <laughs> yeah we want to put or also a platform or recommendation a platform online so yes um that would be so cool ja to have it online all over like worldwide so so that's the next that's the 2023 goal to to achieve so people love can that. see it yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. because it's still hidden a little bit <laughs> like uh, right it to well it's t it's tough too when you put you know you make such a long film you don't want to just distribute it for free and um you know i don't know i'm i'm still learning about the world of film but it is quite yeah. tricky, huh? Yeah, it's tricky because um, the sponsorship was also not full sponsorship. Like, yeah. like Mexico has very few long, uh, length feature films, like, uh, um, like this kind of documentary. Yeah. 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 So um, about about uh, adventure, no, and yeah, adventure yeah. films like this area. So we got distribution uh, from La Sportiva, Mexico, and. Um, and Osprey and um, Osprey, uh, Osprey. Oh, Sportiva that's great! Yeah, Osprey uh, is the sponsor of the podcast too. Ah, okay. Yeah, shout out to Osprey. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and Petzl. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Petzl's great. That's yeah. that's a, uh, that was the sponsorship uh, we got uh, in Mexico, but um, it was like not it was not covering the whole document. Like it was covering the post-production because we did a very professional post-production. So um, uh, yeah, that's why we don't want to put it free. We, we would love to, 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 to have a little bit more of incomes about it. Definitely, so, yeah. definitely. Well, I hope for our listeners um, that they can see it soon. And um, yes. I, I thank you for showing it here at the facelift in El Petro Chico is a, the first year of the facelift and it was a, uh, um, your film, I think, really brought a lot of cohesion to the event because I think a lot of these climber events, um, I think the culture and art of climbing really needs to be highlighted in addition to winning the raffles, doing the cleanup. I think that telling the stories of climbing um, is just as important as any of these other things we do. So I think the film really brought this element of Mexican climbing culture to the event and it was the first year, which is always exciting too. So I think it, it was my highlight of the the whole event. So uh, uh, thank you for that, and uh, thank you for. You. It's so cool to, it's so cool to collect the stories also. Like what you're doing is also very nice. <laughs> thank you. Well, thank you so much. Ah, uh, thanks yeah. to you. That was the kickoff of season five. Hope you all enjoyed that conversation as much as we enjoyed having it. Music for this episode and this season is once again brought to you by Devin Dabney. Our digital editor and producer is Chad Rich. And signing off, back in beautiful Durango, Colorado. Nice rainy start to our summer. We're loving it. Loving the moisture. Peace. Peace.